Hey, how many of you are old enough to remember a series of kids' books called Choose Your Own Adventure? Anybody remember those books, right, way back? I'm sure there's some modern-day sorts of versions of those books today. I think you know how they work. Uh, if you uh, remember reading these, at the end of every chapter, you get to choose one of two possible outcomes. You get to decide the direction that you go, and that means that you've got some level of control over the plot of the story. Now, maybe you weren't into them, uh, kind of like me, but I didn't read. I just, I, I should have read more as a kid. Kids read. You should read. It's a really good thing. I, I was outside working on becoming a professional athlete. That didn't work out, but, uh, you know, so I should have read more, but they were a popular, especially with kids, and when you're a kid, it's easy to think that life just works out like that, that you've, you exercise some level of control over your life, that you get to choose your adventures, that you get to choose all of the outcomes, but unfortunately, as you grow up, one of the things that you realize is that life doesn't work like that, uh, that there are no guarantees that things are going to go the way that you want or choose, like the fact is that sometimes mom and dad divorce. Uh, sometimes mom and dad go through difficult times. Maybe you are living that now. Um, the truth is that you don't always get your first choice in college. Uh, it doesn't always work like that. There, there's no guarantee, parents, that your kids are going to make the team, all right? Uh, just because you think your startup is a really good idea doesn't mean that everybody thinks your startup is a really good idea. And, well, we all know that people get sick and we lose people that we love. Life's full of, of all sorts of highs and lows, ups and downs. Sometimes it goes the way that you want, but most all of us are going to go through difficult times. There's going to be moments that push you and stretch you and, and change you and, and test you, and it's in those moments that we learn a lot about ourselves and we learn a lot about our faith our faith in the Lord too. And as we've already talked about today, as many of you know, we're reading through the Bible together as a church. We're one month in. How many of you are reading along with us uh, so far this year? Look around. Isn't that cool? Yeah, give yourselves a hand for uh, reading along with us together. I mean, the goal is to get all the way through the Bible this year. The good news is this. You just finished Genesis. You only have 65 books to go, all right? You, like 348 some days, something like that. But we're, we're using an app called the Read Scripture app, which makes it really helpful. Uh, there's some videos that go along with our readings too that you ought to check out. We've encouraged people to, to take a journal, uh, to take notes, to write down your prayers. Uh, as you're reading through the Bible, we've got a number of those journals. We, we got some more in if you didn't pick one up uh, back at the Info Hub. And we're talking about some of what we're reading here on Sunday mornings too. And last week we looked at the life of Abraham. Today we're going to look at the crazy life of a guy by the name of Joseph. And you could call his life a choose-your-own-adventure, but honestly his life is more of a choose-your-own-crisis uh, sort of a life with lots of tragic turns and trials. So if you've got a Bible, go to Genesis 37 uh, with us, Genesis chapter 37, or if you use a Bible app. Um, before I tell you a little bit about Joseph's story, let me just kind of catch you up quick on his family. Uh, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, all right? And Isaac married a woman by the name of Rebekah, and one of their sons was named Jacob. And Jacob had, believe it or not, two wives, which is never a good idea. Uh, add to it, Jacob's two wives also happened to be sisters, which might be the worst idea in all of history to do that. Now, we've got enough kids in the room that I'm going to skip over some other details of Jacob's life. You can read them as a family and trying to describe everything the way it happened and why it happened that way. At the end of it all, Jacob had 12 sons. These 12 sons will eventually become known as the 12 tribes of Israel. All right, that's where we begin today. Joseph is one of those 12 sons. All right, one of 
of the sons of Jacob. Let's pick it up in Genesis 37, starting in verse 2. The writer says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, two quick things that we learned about Joseph. When we meet him here, he's 17 years of age, which likely means he thinks he knows everything in the world. Uh, but secondly, add to it, he's a bit of a tattletale. Uh, like he likes to run off to dad and tell him what his brothers are doing wrong. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him an ornate robe, all right, an ornate robe for him. Now, a few other things that we need to know about Joseph here. First of all, Israel is another name for Jacob, and if you've been reading in Genesis, you know that God changed Jacob's name to Israel, but they kind of go back and forth, and so even for the rest of Genesis, if you read Jacob, you're reading about Israel. If you read about Israel, you're reading about Jacob, all right? And while jo Joseph, we know, had 12 sons, Joseph was his favorite. And at least according to the text, it was because he had been born to him, all right, in his old age. All right, add to it, Joseph let everyone else know in the family that Joseph was his favorite by buying him a nice robe to wear around town. Now, I think robes are really only for the house, all right, and who has time uh, to wear a robe? But I'm also no psychologist or child psychologist, I'm, but I am the the oldest of three siblings. I've got three kids of my own, so I feel like I can say with some level of experience, parents don't, don't play favorites. Like, it, it's not going to work out. It's not going to turn into anything good. And so, given a nice robe, giving a nice robe to your son Joseph while the rest of your kids get nothing is kind of like giving one of your kids an Xbox for Christmas and the other kids get a choose-your-own-adventure book, you know, something like that, all right? Again, it's not fair. It's going to make things awkward, but Jacob isn't thinking like that. He gives Joseph this fancy robe, and he gives it to him because he loves Jacob the most, but also because he intends to make him a primary inheritor of the estate. Well, what's that going to do to Joseph's brothers? Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. They hated Joseph and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, that's not a big shocker, all right? You can, you can kind of see it bubbling up here. And, and, but the fact is that maybe this is where you can relate to some of Joseph's story. Uh, maybe you've got some uh, tension in your own family and not the tension where some of them are Purdue fans and the rest of them are IU fans, like nothing like that, but like maybe you grew up in a tough home uh, with a hostile sort of family. I mean, a, a family where mom and dad didn't get along. They were always fighting or uh, they didn't stay together or uh, a family where you and your siblings, you know, you've just, you've got some history. Again, you've gone through some seasons together. I, I've heard plenty of stories over the past year of families that are really struggling right now. Uh, sadly, you know, even differences of opinion on things like politics or social issues or uh, COVID ha have caused families to quit talking, quit getting together, unfollowing each other on social media. Here's the bottom line. Uh, if you come from a dysfunctional family, Joseph came from a dysfunctional family, all right? He's got some messiness too. And unfortunately, Joseph's not going to help his situation because as you keep reading his story, you learn that Joseph's going to start having these dreams, dreams where he sees images of his brothers bowing down and worshiping him. And for some reason, Joseph thought it was a good idea to tell his brothers about these dreams. And as you can imagine, that's only going to worsen the already fragile, delicate situation. And so Joseph's brothers come up with a plan 
to kill him. Now, thankfully, there was a plan B, and plan B won out. And in Genesis 37, beginning in verse 26, you can see the conversation between Joseph, or excuse me, Joseph's brothers. Judah, being one of those brothers, said to the rest of the brothers, what are we going to gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood, his brothers agreed. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever at least just thought about selling one of your siblings on eBay. All right, man, it's, I appreciate your honesty, like, or your, your siblings. It's going to come up. You're going to have maybe moments like that. Well, Joseph's brothers actually did it. I mean, they did. And while we're tempted to laugh it off, this is what I got to thinking about this last week. Like, take a moment and put yourself in that scene of the story for just a second. I mean, they rough Joseph up. They throw him in a pit. One day, these slave masters come along Like picture the money exchanging hands between these slave masters and the brothers. Joseph's pulled from the pit. Shackles are placed on his feet. Like what's going through Joseph's mind? I mean, can you hear him pleading with his brothers to set him free? And and what's going through his brother's mind at the same time? Like how much do you have to hate someone? Like what, what are they thinking as they listen to Joseph wailing as he's dragged away? I mean, I, I can't imagine how betrayed Joseph felt, but in an instant, everything changed. But life does that, doesn't it? I mean, life changes like that. I mean, you can have a morning, a good morning, and then everything changes by the, after, by the afternoon. Like out of nowhere, just boom, life blows up and, and maybe even feel like a helpless prisoner, you know, as a relationship crumbles right before your very eyes or... Or you go in for test results, the doctor says, you got nothing to worry about, only to find that it's a lot worse than anything either of you thought. Or, or, or just like that, you're out of a job. Or just like that, someone's gone. Or worse yet, you know, you find yourself making arrangements at, at a funeral home. Life can change really fast. You can have a morning, and then by the afternoon, everything is different. Like, things can go, be going fine one day, but unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, life isn't like an adventure book where you just get to choose your own path. You get to choose your own outcome. But I want you to pay close attention. Here, here's what we're after today. I want you to see what happens next in Joseph's story, because what we're going to see is an unexpected pattern that begins to emerge in the midst of all of this chaos and pain in his life. Skip over to Genesis 39. Let's pick it up in verse 1. The writer says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt as a prisoner, and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now notice that phrase, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Now the word prosper means flourish, it means thrive, it means to grow or to succeed. I think it's fair to say that we'd all love to to prosper in life, wouldn't we? Uh, We'd all love to flourish, you know, have that sort of, of success. But here's the thing, I don't think that's the most important word in those passages, All right, I think the most important word that we need to pay attention to is actually found in verse 2. It's here when we read, the Lord was with 
Joseph. That God was with Joseph. That he was with him, his presence with him. Like it's great that Joseph began to prosper, but the only reason Joseph is going to prosper, the writer of Genesis tells us, is because the Lord was with him. And where was Joseph? Well, again, it's not like he's this successful camel salesman in, in Egypt. He's a slave. He's a foreigner in a foreign land. And remember, he didn't deserve this, but this is his new reality. These are his circumstances. And you know how it is. Like sometimes life happens and you just got to start rolling with the punches. You got to make decisions. And thankfully for Joseph, though, the Lord was with him there. And is this where Joseph wants to be? No way. I mean, is this the life he dreamt about, the adventure that he chose? Like, I mean, when he dreamt of prospering, like, do you think it involved as a slave? It meant as a slave in Egypt? Like, there's no way, but this is where he is. But the Lord was with him, and he began to prosper in the midst of some horrific circumstances in his life. And interestingly, this is the first time, and Joseph's story is a long story covering something like 13 chapters at the end of Genesis. This is the first time that God is mentioned in Joseph's story which tells me that God wants to see something I think really important that was true for Joseph and true for us too. And that's this, that no matter where you are, the Lord is with you. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've got going on, no matter the highs and lows, like if Christ is your Savior, the hope that you have is that the Lord is with you. And just let that sink in. I I mean, for any of us, that means that, you know, If right now you're not sure how you're going to make it from here to graduation, you have this hope that the Lord is with you. Uh, Maybe you feel totally confused about who you are and how God created you and your purpose in your life. You you have this hope as a follower of Jesus that the Lord is with you. Maybe maybe you're in a dead-end job, like living life on repeat right now, not sure how much more that you can take. You have this hope that the Lord is with you. Maybe you're stuck at home most days. The Lord is with you. Maybe your marriage is coming unraveled. You're not sure if you're going to make it another year. The Lord is with you. And if you're just terrified right now, I mean, if you're living in fear, things like COVID to politics to anything in between, like the Lord is with you. You may not be able to see the way through, but he is with you. And I wouldn't be surprised. I hope Joseph had similar thoughts. Like, he, again, he didn't grow up wanting to be a slave in a foreign country, but this is where he is. And God is with him, bringing the best out of this, out of this situation. And, and if you keep reading the rest of his story, things were good for a while in Egypt, but then he was falsely accused of raping his master's wife, at which point Joseph was thrown into a prison. So if you think or if you thought things couldn't get any worse for Joseph, Joseph goes from being his dad's favorite to a slave in Egypt, now to a prison for something he didn't do. All right, so he can't seem to get a break. Pay close attention to what happens next. Let's pick it up in verse 20. We read, Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So things go from bad to worse, and yet God was with him. The Lord was with him. 
And what else does the text say? It says that he showed him kindness, that God granted him favor, that he gave him success in whatever he did. And it would have been so easy for Joseph to give up on God. Like, I know how I am, right? Maybe you're like me. Things go the wrong way long enough, you want to give up on God. But somehow Joseph managed to remain faithful to him. And let's not forget, we've got a guy who's maybe in his late teens, early 20s at this point. He's so young, he's got so much potential in front of him. And yet the Lord is with him, and the Lord is with him in a really special way. And his story goes on, and eventually you arrive at Genesis 41, where we learn that Joseph, again, the Lord had been with Joseph all this time, and that he's finally going to reward Joseph uh, with his faithfulness in a really unique way that Joseph didn't see coming. And so through a series of events that can only be described as God-ordained, Joseph was summoned from the dungeon to the Pharaoh's desk to interpret a series of dreams. Now, if this is me, all right, and I get my shot. You know, this is the break you've been waiting for. Again, you're a slave, foreign land, living in prison. You know, all of a sudden, you get an invitation to the Pharaoh's office in the presence of a man who has the power to set you free. If I'm Joseph, I'm going to do whatever it takes, right? I'm going to go to whatever length is necessary to be set free, all right? You're, you're going to plead your case, all right? You're going to give your very best. You're going to talk your way out of this. Like, it's time, if you're Joseph, to take matters into your own hands. But pay attention to what happens next. Genesis 41, verse 15. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I just want you to notice, instead of taking advantage of the moment, instead of taking control of the situation, what does Joseph do? He leans on God. And I love those words, that honest confession of Pharaoh, I can't do it, but I know someone who can. I know a God who can. And so instead of taking control, attempting to please God or please this man, I mean, Joseph expresses his confidence in God, which is remarkable for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Pharaoh believed that he was a God, that he was a God, which means you don't tell the most powerful man in the world, the man who thinks he's God, that he's not God, and that you know the real one unless you're okay being buried alive, all right, which was a popular way to be executed. Secondly, do you, don't you think that Joseph, again, had every reason to to take matters into his own hands. I mean, we know how Joseph's story ends. We do, all right? He doesn't. He doesn't know how this is going to end. Right now, you know, his story is just made up of one disappointing turn after another. Like, you go through enough disappointment and hardship in your life, again, you're ready to take matters into your own hands. But the same God that was with Joseph in prison is the same God that was with Joseph in Pharaoh's presence, and somehow the Pharaoh trusted Joseph in a significant way in this moment, and with the Lord's help, Joseph was not only able to interpret Pharaoh's dream about a coming famine, but he's also able to offer wisdom for how Egypt can prepare and survive the famine, and I want you to hear Pharaoh's response to Joseph's plan. Genesis 41, beginning in verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. How's that? for a change of events and circumstances. Joseph goes from his home to slavery to a dungeon, and now he's the vice president of Egypt. Again, not a bad turn of events. And when we read something like this, I'm guilty of doing this. When we read something like this, it's easy to minimize the pain, to skip from one sentence to the next, one chapter to the next, and say, I'm sure it was hard, it all worked out, no big deal, so he spent a little time in prison. By the math that we see in the text, it was 13 years in prison. Do you remember what you were doing 13 years ago? 13 years ago is a really, really long time. Have you ever prayed for something over and over again for 13 years? Have you endured any hardship, any pain, maybe a physical effect in your life, a health issue for 13 years? That kind of time is going to test your faith. How many, how many times did Joseph want to lose his mind? There is no way Joseph gets through that unless God, unless God the promises of God. You know, one of the things that really jumped out to me and thinking about this, reading this this past week was just reflecting back on Genesis chapter 12. Remember God's encounter with Abraham where we're invited in. He says, Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. I will bless you. I will bless your nation. I will bless all those who come through you. You will be a blessing so that you can bless others. You will be a blessing so that you can bless others. God really thinking that, you know what, many years from now, I'm going to send one of your descendants into Egypt, into this foreign, you know, so far from God sort of place in Egypt, and I'm going to bless Joseph there. I'm going to bless him in a dungeon. He's going to be a blessing to the dungeon. He's eventually going to be a blessing to all of Egypt a blessing to the people who will come looking for escape and rescue in Egypt. Joseph learned that God, not only that God was with him, but apparently he had learned to walk with God no matter the circumstances in life. And after 13 long years, he was really beginning to see some results. Now, if you fast forward to the end of Joseph's story, you learn that God used Joseph's position of power not only to spare the entire nation of Egypt, but more importantly to save Joseph's family. We taught on this back in November in our Peacemaker series. If you want to go back and learn more about this particular part of the story, but eventually Joseph was united with his brothers once again. That was probably a little awkward, you know, and you read about that in the story at first, but he was able to forgive his brothers for all the wicked things that he had done to them, and then he even gave credit to God for bringing something really good out of the mess, out of the entire mess. But it leaves us asking the question before we wrap, like what does this have to do with life right now? Like even as we read about Joseph's life, like what does it have to do with us? Well, maybe the most important thing that we can take away from Joseph's tragic and amazing life is this. We talked about it a moment ago, and that is that no matter where you are, the Lord is with you. That as you read Joseph's story, that you might be able to relate as well. 
and relate to a God that is with you no matter what you are in, no matter what you will go through, like that, that even in that, that you might find some peace in, in the chaos of your life this week. Or uh, maybe you're desperately hoping that, that your marriage can be healed or, or holding out that your relationship with your kids can be restored, that your business will survive. My prayer for us is that like Joseph, we will understand and know that no matter what life throws at us, that as followers of Jesus, we have God, that we have the Lord, that he is with us, that we have his presence, and that he is there for you no matter what you go through. And so I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to keep reading your Bibles with us this year. Uh, if you didn't get started with us, now's a good time to start. Again, we just finished up Genesis. You can jump on board with Exodus today and read along with us. But I want to remind you again, that we want this to be so much more than just checking boxes and completing daily readings. We are inviting you to spend time alone with God, walking through life with God, knowing God better, speaking to him, gaining from him, learning from him. Someone wrote this past week and gave us permission to, to, to say this, but here's what she had to say about her experience with us these first few weeks so far. She says, I hate to admit it, but my, but my relationship with God has been put on the back burner over the last year, but, but reading through Scripture with our church family has been exactly what I needed to grow in my faith and my relationship with God. I've been able to share what I'm learning with others, and it's been a blessing to me, and it's been a blessing to others. And if you've been doing this, if you've been reading, you know that in addition to reading through Genesis every day, you have a chance to read from the Psalms too. All right, every day a different Psalm. And we haven't talked about the Psalms yet. We're going to talk about this, those as we go along. But the Psalms are an interesting collection. I mean, really, I mean, every, you know, kind of both sides of the scale of emotions from great faith in God to great despair and hurt and frustration, people pouring out their hearts before the Lord, people like Joseph, people like you and me. I, I was glancing back at some of those psalms that we've read so far just these first few weeks and uh, a few that just jumped out to me, you know, thinking about, you know, what we go through in life and, again, talking and reflecting with God, spending time in prayer alone with the Lord. Uh, maybe you've got some verses that you've underlined. I, I underline them in my Bibles, like in places like Psalm chapter 3, a psalm of David when he writes, O Lord, how many are my enemies? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him, but you are a shield around me. O Lord, you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. It's like Psalm chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Again, David, when he writes, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. And do you ever find yourself praying in that way? Where you get so honest, so brutally honest with God, and you're just waiting for a response? And David is able to go on and say, from the Lord comes deliverance. Like he hears our prayers. He knows the way through. He has a way out for us if we will trust him. Psalm chapter 6, uh, uh, verse 6. Again, David writes, he says, I'm worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. 
Again, just his honesty of struggling with the Lord, walking with the Lord each and every day. Again, Joseph was in prison for 13 years, but God was with him. David says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Sometimes it just helps to pour it all out and then to trust our faithful God, the one who has promised that he is there with us, that he listens and he is ready to respond to our prayers. And then finally, last one I'll share with you comes from Psalm 13. Again, David writes, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then I think verse 5 is where we're supposed to end today. And that is, you know, sometimes God isn't quick to answer and sometimes we've got to keep on praying and sometimes we've got to keep on trusting. But it's in those moments that we do have to cling to his promises. Those words that he has promised to us, words like what David acknowledges, truths that he acknowledges when he says, but I trust, I trust, no matter what I go through, no matter the prison that I may find myself in, the foreign land, the desert that I may have to go through, I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. That no matter what life holds, I have God. He is with me, and he is with you, and he loves you more than you can ever imagine or hope for. And if your faith is in him, if your trust is in him, you have salvation you have life, you have a different perspective, you've got a different reason to live, to keep hoping, to keep trusting, especially in knowing that he is there with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your great love for us, Lord, that as David prayed, I, I will trust in you, I will trust in your unfailing love. I pray that we might be able to pray that too, Lord that you would be able to pray today, I trust in the unfailing love of God and your salvation, the life that we have in you, the hope that we have in you. God, we don't always understand. Life can be tough, it can be challenging, it can look hopeless and helpless, but you are faithful. We've been singing those promises today. You are the God that made a promise to Abraham and fulfilled that promise all the way through Joseph and through Jesus. And your promises continue and are available to us today. Lord, we cling to Jesus, the one who came. God came to earth and gave his life for us. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. He is there for you. No matter what you're going through right now, he has what you need. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.